deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas outdoor nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, and I'm so excited that you've taken the opportunity to download our show or stream it online, however you're listening. Thank you so much for doing so. Back with our regular intro music and back with our regular content uh, as we follow along with the Saltwater series for part two of this series this year and uh, I've got Daryl Palmer back online again so I'm really excited about having him join the show and I'm of course grateful that you've chosen to download or stream this online however you're listening I ask that you please subscribe to the show through your favorite podcast app on your mobile device or subscribe through iTunes on your computer however you're listening to us please subscribe and you'll get a new show every two weeks we come out with these every Thursday every other Thursday I should say and um Really try to bring you some great content and um, and some positive uh, inspiration, motivation, outdoor lifestyle stuff, as well as some really cool um, education and motivation out there for uh, the outdoor stuff that we do. So thank you so much again for watching, reading, and listening. And here is my interview with Mr. Daryl Palmer. Joining me on the phone, Mr. Daryl Palmer. Welcome back to the Best of the Outdoors podcast, sir. Good morning, Dustin. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you again. Uh, had a lot of fun the last time, and uh, look forward to some more uh, good information. Yeah, so this is your third time on the show, and um, you and I talked a little bit in the pre-chat today just about some of the stuff we wanted to cover, and I'm kind of excited about getting this episode started because there's a lot to um, a lot of talk about in saltwater fishing. I know a lot of our audience is, is into saltwater uh, coastal fishing, and um, wanted to mention... I've got an article on fishgame.com that I published last week because this podcast will be coming out the week after um, this this went live. But it's called Marsh Fishing Tactics, Scoring in Brackish Water. And it's an article that I wrote uh, with my saltwater knowledge of uh, scoring for um, for specks and reds in uh, brackish conditions and the hooks that I use, the uh, swim bait hooks that I use, as well as the uh, lures that I use and the soft plastics that I uh, cast out there. So I uh, wanted to definitely bring people to uh, go check that out at fishgame.com. Just wanted to talk to you some more about, and one of the things that I like to do a lot on this show is talk about conservation. And that's something that you're really big about. And we'll get into that, but just give us a review where we left off at the last podcast in the saltwater series. Uh, of where, where should I start? Well, you know what? Uh, we, we briefly went over rods and reels and, and, uh, I want to get more into uh, lines this time and uh, get into, uh, you know, some knots that you should know as, as fishermen and yes. what knots are, are, are productive and what knots uh, you should kind of stay away from. Um, and uh, just uh, some basic, uh, I guess, casting techniques and then uh, uh, how, to, how to avoid uh, getting a lot of weed on your line. Yes. Because that's, that's usually a huge problem here in the spring is uh, we get uh, the weeds coming in from the gulf in that. But uh, anyway, uh, we're, uh, I kind of want to go at this uh, as uh, a novice kind of trying to get uh, some information on, you know, uh, get bringing a novice up to speed on, on some, you know, productive techniques in that and practices to, to increase your uh, beach catch. Absolutely. So surf or, uh, or inshore kayak, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think this is great because even if you are a novice or even if you've, you've done this before, I mean, some of the stuff that we talk about on this show could be beneficial for, uh, for all of our listeners. So that's the thing I like about doing these shows with you, Daryl. 
Yeah, and that's true because I mean, there's uh, I go out and I've been fishing since I was four. I'm I'm uh, I'm not exactly four anymore. And <laughs> well, I want to ask you your age. Fishing. Don't worry. <laughs> I've been fishing uh, uh, quite a few years in, right. in different areas, and we went kind of went over that in the last podcast. But uh, um, suffice to say, I've I've casted a few times. I've I've uh, made plenty of mistakes, and uh, I continue to learn. As, as long as I, you know, every time I go out, I learn something new. Right. We all so do. We all try to at least uh, for some of this. Yeah. Hopefully for some of the seasoned anglers out there, we can uh, share some, I can share some uh, tips and, and tricks, you know, that will help you uh, increase your catch. Sure. No, that's good. So go ahead and give us a rundown of the kind of basic gear to consider and brands and uh, knots and stuff like that. Well, I mean, to start out, you want to uh, get a, uh, for let's go with the uh, beach fishing, uh, surf fishing. Uh, we'll go with that for right now. Uh, you want a, a couple of different rods, um, a couple of different rod setups. If you're going shark fishing, uh, make that three different setups. But um, as far as uh, uh, just getting into surf fishing, there's a lot of uh, fish in the surf. Uh, there's some big game fish out there uh, at times, and then there's a lot of smaller fish at you know most of the time. There's also some some uh, uh, dangers in the surf that you need to be aware of, you know, uh, as, as I try to, uh, when I go fishing, I try to, you know, practice safety first, you know, cause you want to come back and talk about your catch and, sure. and not, end up, not end up at the, uh, at the local clinic, you know, first of all, you know, as far as your shoes, I like to wear Crocs myself. Right. Uh, they're, they're, they're awesome beach shoes, just your basic Crocs. Um, you get a lot of, uh, I don't know if you're uh, like me, but when, you know, you get older, you go out to the sand and, and after a day on the sand, your feet just kind of kill you for a yeah. couple of days. I know what you day. mean. Yeah. <laughs> and so the Crocs give you a lot of cushion, but they also protect your feet. And if, if they get wet, it doesn't matter. They dry out in 10, 15 minutes anyway. And they protect your feet from the shell and, and uh, any other, you know, debris that might be on the bottom out there. Pair of shorts, cargo shorts are perfect. Uh, don't keep your bait in your, in your cargo shorts. Yes. Uh, because that will attract fish and it could attract uh, predators. Right, right. Yeah, that's um, a good. That's a good point to put out there. <laughs> one one thing that I do, and it's kind of funny, um, I take an old hat. Uh, I wear a ball cap usually when I go fishing out in the surf. You know, I got my my uh, Maui Jim shades on, which I, I truly, uh, absolutely uh, endorse. Is Maui Jim? They're incredible optics. Uh, get your, if you haven't tried them out, get yourself a pair. They're uh, on the expensive side. They're 100 to 200, uh, 250 dollars a pair. But what's nice about them, and I've had this happen, where if you inadvertently scratch them, then you know you send it off. I think with 60 dollars plus shipping, and they'll completely uh, refurbish your shades. Oh, nice! And put new lenses and bring them back to factory specs. Send them back to you, and it's like getting a new pair of glasses. So. It's, a, it's more of an investment as a pair of, you know, as opposed to, you know, just buying a pair of cheap sunglasses. Right. They're all, and they're also polarized. So that's a huge plus. Yep. How would you see in the water? Fishing. Yep. That's so, good. Anyway, uh, so don't, don't, uh, I would definitely get lanyards for them. You don't want to lose them. You know, have a wave hit you in the head and, and there goes your $200 shade. So right. get your pair, pair of lanyards. Um, eye protection is, is, uh, uh, huge when you're at 
you know, out, out in the, uh, outdoors at the beach fishing, or if you're even hunting, uh, you want to protect your eyes and as well as everything else. So, um, anyway, uh, getting back to ball cap, uh, I'll take and, and, uh, take the top of my ball cap and kind of make a, kind of push it in towards my head a little bit, make a little, uh, like, a almost a bowl on the top of the ball cap. And I'll, I'll, uh, put my shrimp up there. Oh, cool. That, that way they're out of the surf sure. and I won't go, I won't go far enough out to where a wave knocks, you know, knocks me around where they fall off. Right. And your hat falls off. Right. Exactly. Right. That makes sense. Right. So, so it, it keeps it out of the, out of the surf. It keeps the scent out of the surf and you just reach up there and grab another one when you need one. Right. Um, but first thing I do is I'll, I'll take either a, a small bait casting spinning rod, um, something along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, a 3,000 or 4,000 Shimano or whatever, and uh, a six, seven foot medium, medium to uh, light fishing rod, uh-huh. either spinning or casting. And I'll go out in the, in the surf. First thing I do is go out there and start catching bait. Right. You know, take yourself a five gallon bucket, throw some, 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 uh, uh, and for that, um, it's not a great big deal. I usually just pick up some, uh, some single drop rigs at, uh, at Walmart it's it's uh they they serve the purpose they're cheap and they're and they're you know they're disposable if you lose one it's no big deal i'll pick up a handful of one ounce weights pyramid weights and then uh the uh, the thing is though is when you go to buy hooks you want to buy hooks that are no more they're you want long shank hooks i usually use vmcs or uh, or mustads if i can find them but the VMC hooks are real nice. They're a long shank. Shank's about two inches long, but the gap is only about a uh, oh between a quarter and a half inch gap. Mm-hmm. You want a real small gap on the hook, and then when you get out there, uh, obviously uh, you you uh, take your rod out there in the surf. When you go to bait up, peel your shrimp. Use half a shrimp. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't need much bait out there. A lot of times, guys will go out there and put a whole shrimp on on uh, on one of these real small hooks. It's just a waste, and especially if you don't peel it, because if uh, once you do peel it, the fish gets on it, it goes hook goes right into the fish. It's a much easier hook set, sure, and you're going to catch a lot more bait fish quicker that way. And you can but, serve uh, your bait that way too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I just oh, yeah. just kind of using the basic mathematical equation here, using a whole shrimp versus a, a half one. So yeah. Yeah, you're doubling your your uh, you know your your export. <laughs> yeah, I guess you say. But, yeah, uh, yeah anyway. you're uh, you, the bait you're putting into the deal. Yeah, right. Uh, that's cool. Right. So I mean, a pound of bait it comes down to a, you know a pound of shrimp will last you pretty much all day. You go out there and you catch your bait fish. You throw them in a bucket. Take your little five gallon bucket. Throw some seawater in it. Bring it back up to the to the you know your truck or your campsite or whatever. Uh, leave it in the shade. And uh, try to keep your try to keep your fish live. Uh, live fish is much better than, than than dead you know fish as far as uh, as far as surf fishing. Uh, the fresher your bait is, the the better chance you have of hooking up. Right. Um, I would uh, stay away from from using frozen bait or or, or uh, you know um, fresh dead as you mm-hmm. call it at a lot of the bait shops because yep. a lot of times it's been frozen and refrozen and right that, and, and it gets all mushy and everything right exactly, yeah. exactly. I, I know that from freshwater fishing quite a bit so yeah but and and as far as that goes uh, a lot of guys um 
if you're going to use smaller tackle like that, I would probably advise against uh, using braid on the smaller, mm-hmm. you know, uh, casting reels and, and spinning reels, simply because if you do get spooled, that's a lot of braid to have out in the water. Yeah. And stuff's going to get tangled up in it. Yep, that's a good um, point. That's back to the conservation stuff, right? Typically, exactly. Um, typically, if you get uh, something, you know, with mono, like I use the the most I use is about fifteen pound mono on that mm-hmm. on those particular rods just for bait fishing. Um, if it breaks, so what? You throw another rig on, call it, you know, and and you keep fishing. But if if you you do get spooled, typically the fish will abrade the line down by the rig, and you'll end up getting your line back and not have all that line in the water. Yeah. Braid's a different, braid's a different story. You end up getting spooled with braid. If it snaps off your reel, then that's a, a, a 100, 150 yards of braid that's out in there in the water that, you know, wildlife can get tangled up in. Yep. So, that's good um, to say. Now, the the thing I do use braid for is I use it for what's called backing on my surf reels. Mm-hmm. Um, say um, one of my one of my go-to reels is a, uh, a, a Daiwa Saltist 50. I love those reels. They're, they're smooth as glass. Um, they're tough. Um, all you need to do is wash them off when you get back home. Um, I usually don't use a, a sprayer on them because you don't want to force the salt water into the reel that's right. already on the reel. So you just want to use a, a just kind of turn the faucet on and just just uh, douse the water over the reel. You know, don't spray it real hard. Spray the rods down, knock the salt off of them. But as far as the reels go. Just, just let the running water go over the reel. So uh, you're not forcing salt into the reel. And about every two or three times uh, you go out to the beach, you want to tear your reels down and and uh, just do a quick tear down. Uh, I'm not saying completely, but uh, just enough to where you can check the check the bearings sure. and check the, the, the internal workings of the reel. Right. Make sure no sand in there. And make sure that it's, you know, it's nice and greased and, and grease in some places and then uh, uh, oil in, in other places. Right. Uh, one thing I, I like to use is the uh, Ardent Real Butter. Mm-hmm. Um, Who makes that? Guys, what's that? Ardent. Ardent, okay. Yeah, Ardent. Uh, it's it's called Real Butter. And it's a, it's a synthetic uh, lubricant that I put on my gears. Or not gears, but on my uh, bearings. And, right. And that. And it just gives me really, really good performance. Um, I don't use it on the gears. I use a uh, regular pen or uh, whatever kind of lube you want to use. It's more of a real grease. Yes. But uh, not you don't use grease on the bearings. Right. So right. anyway, there's two different kinds of, of uh, lubricant that, you know, you should be familiar with and, and use in your reels. But, yeah, every every second or third time, unless it's one time a season – you know, um, I would say at least two or three times a season, tear your reels down, open them up, and just check on them. Because you don't want to get out there and get into a big fish and find out that you're, you know, that something is hung up in your reel right. and you end up losing a big fish because of it. So when you your equipment to- fails, that's really when the when the rubber meets the road right there, you know. I mean, that's when you need your equipment the most and you don't need it to fail is when you've got a big fish for sure. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. I've been there. Uh, I've, <laughs> yeah. I've definitely learned a lesson on that one. Yeah. Uh, Take care uh, of your so gear. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I try, to, I try to keep my reels maintained and, uh, 
Uh, one thing I do like to use on them is uh, is uh, real magic, and just spray them down uh, after you rinse them off. It's just a, a light coating of uh, lubricant and, and that, and it just it protects the reels from from uh, any re- salt residue that may still be on the reel, and um, it uh, it basically repels the salt, and so uh, it just keeps your reels you know nice and clean and and uh, it's not a real oily like you get it on your fingers or something like that right so and it will dry so no that's good no just just a good good uh, maintenance thing and uh after after you rinse them off every time throw some real magic just uh, a mm-hmm. couple spots on there and you're good that's good to know and then, and then store them getting back to uh reels and, and line um say you get a saltus 50 um uh, i usually use uh a on my surf reels, I'll run 50-pound uh, braid. Mm-hmm. My favorite braid's Jerry Brown. Okay. It's a lot, it's a lot smoother braid than than some of the others, and it uh, I've never had it fail. So I I particularly like it. Uh, it's not as abrasive on the eyes and that you know of your rod. And uh, anyway, uh, I'll put 50-pound uh, Jerry Brown on. Uh, I use it as a backer on my reels, and. The thing is, though, with if you're using uh, some of the newer spools have uh, rubber uh, coatings on the bottom of the spool now yes. for the for the new for the new braids. I've seen that. Not so new anymore, but the your newer reels will have that, so you don't really have to use um, the mono base before you put the braid on. But uh, if you have just a regular aluminum spool, um, take and uh, tie your mono. Um, Say on a surf reel, um, I'll run 50-pound mono on the base, and uh, I'll run just enough to cover the spool, maybe three or four yards of, of mono, and then I'll terminate it. Okay. And then I'll tie a uh, an Albright knot, but I use a, an, a modified Albright knot. If you're familiar with it, you know you take and you loop the mono, and then you run the braid in through the loop around the loop three or four times out three or four times back and then back through the loop that you made with the braid now i've had those pull out okay. um so what i do is i modified that so everything's the same except when you're coming back you do the three or four loop or three or four uh, turns back toward toward the uh, loop and instead of going through one time through your braid you go through three times and you go around the braid and the mono and then you cinch it down. So you got a stronger knot, basically, right? Is that what you're saying? It it is a stronger knot. It cool. locks the it locks the uh, the braid into the into the mono, the terminating end of the braid into the mono, and therefore it prevents the knot from coming loose. Super. So uh, that's that's worked for me. Uh, so yeah, when you tie your uh, Albright knot from your braid to mono, mono to braid, definitely use. Uh, the modified Albright, it will work for you. Then uh, once I do that, I'll I'll take and fill. Um, I, there's no rhyme or reason uh, as far as how much I fill. I just kind of eyeball it. I'll put about two thirds of the spool with braid, and then terminate the braid. But when you put the braid on, you have to put it on uh, under pressure. So mm-hmm. I use uh, when I put it on, I'll have my spool of braid. Um, on uh, basically a, uh, a screw screwdriver stuck into my my bench vise, and then I'll have that sitting on there, 
but uh, you don't really have to worry about twist with braid like you do with mono. So it doesn't have to go on one way or another. Um, but uh, what I do is that when I'm putting braid on, I will take a leather glove and I will run the braid through the fingers of the glove and kind of make a, a fist to a point to provide tension for the braid as okay. it goes on the reel. Because, right. if you, because if you don't, if you just put the braid on under under no tension or very little tension, it once you get if you get down to the braid in a fight with a fish, uh, the braid can actually bite into itself and it will it will it will hang up. Right, and it'll bind. You yeah, don't you don't to, want that to happen. It'll bind. Yeah, I get and that. And you don't want that to happen. Uh, braid will actually cut itself if if bound too tightly. Okay. So. Um, Anyway, uh, so put on your braid, uh, use a, a leather glove um, to uh, provide tension, and I would say 20, 30 pounds, if, if, if at all possible, of tension on your braid is, is a good thing, as much as you can put on it. Um, of course, you don't want to you know, burn your hand or anything like that, sure. but that's why I use the leather glove. So anyway, once you get your braid on, it takes a little while. You want to put it on slowly uh, so you don't... Uh, Put all of it in one spot you want to go back and forth pretty vigorously uh, i wouldn't uh, on mono you can go back and forth pretty slowly using you know if you have a, a reel with a uh, a level wind on it uh, kind of use that as a guide um, for mono but as far as braid you want to go back and forth a little quicker because you want to crisscross the braid to a point where it doesn't bite into itself right that's smart so uh, when you're, when you're uh, spooling your reel, uh, go back and forth a little faster and create a crisscross pattern on your, on your spool. And, um, and I, I'm not talking about uh, all the way to one side and all the way to the other side, you know, every, every couple seconds. But uh, three or four or five seconds side to side is fine. Okay. But uh, anyway, that prevents your, your braid from, from uh, biting into its, itself under right. under tension so once you get that done then you terminate the the mono or terminate the braid then you all bright your top shot mono yep which in my case is uh i use a 30 pound what do you call it uh afw mm -hmm. uh quattro it's okay. a what they call grand slam quattro it's a four color mono and it it uh it changes color every few inches that's right you told me about this before i remember that it's really cool mono yeah and so it it, uh, it it almost disappears underwater. It create it breaks up the pattern of the mono. So I found that it works. It's it's helped me catch more fish, and uh, it's uh, every bit as strong. I used uh, Berkeley uh, Trialene Big Game for years, and it's every bit as strong as the Trialene, if not stronger. And it doesn't have the memory that say uh, Andy does. I know a lot of guys that that. Uh, that don't like Andy and uh, because of the uh, line memory. Mm -hmm. And uh, what that means is when you pull the, the line off the reel after it's been sitting on for, you know, a, a week or two or a month or whatever, then it retains the, the, uh, the, the coil. Of the, yeah. The pattern of the, the reel, the coil, yeah. the coil of the reel. Right. right. It retains saying, that yeah. memory. So um, yeah, it doesn't have a lot of memory to it. There's not, there's some stretch to it, but you'll have that with all monos. Right. 
And then, um, as far as the, um, the, uh, grand slam quattro, I'll use 30 pound, which I found that's, that works your 40 pound, um, is fine too, but it, uh, it tends not to, uh, give as good a cast, uh, 25 tends up, ends up, uh, breaking more than, more than not more often mm-hmm. than not. Mm-hmm. So I found a good, a good media, a good, uh, you know, good medium right there with, with uh, 30 pounds. So that's what I use. And, um, so you put, uh, you go ahead and fill your reel up. You do two thirds of the way with braid, all bright, uh, modified, all bright, not that into your mono. 30 pound mono. Right. And go ahead and end up filling your reel up with mono. And once you're done with that, then I'll use, uh, about 30, 40 feet of 50 pound test and I just use a clear um, of a 50 pound test and you want to take and um, blood knot your 30 into the 50. Okay. And that's mono to mono, right? That's mono to mono. <laughs> as bad as that sounds, mono to mono. Sounds <laughs> like we're making a deal man to man. What that does yeah. uh, on your top shot, uh, putting a top shot of mono over the braid does a couple of things. Um, braids really good offshore if you don't have anything that's going to abrade it. Right. In other words, something, up. anything that's going to scrape against it. If you're, if you're looking at, uh, you know, fishing around, uh, offshore structure, right. Uh, braid is, is pretty good because it doesn't, uh, it won't abrade when scraped against something. But on the other hand, if it's laying on the sand for any length of time, the motion of the sand and the motion of the water moving over the sand will abrade it uh constantly okay and it can it can uh wear it away so kind of weaken it good. i guess right it will weaken it okay I'm so braids not good to lay on the sand okay. um that's why i use the top shot of mono it's it's the best of both worlds i right. get the the capacity i'll get another 30 40 percent capacity on a reel using the uh, braid base and the mono top shot Plus, when you go to change out your mono, which you do every, you know, every three or four trips, you want to go ahead and change out your mono just because it does a braid and you might get little nicks in it and you may not know it till the next time you catch a fish and then boom, your line breaks. Yep, that's too late. Yeah, so, that's a good consideration. Um, when I, right. When I used to fish bass tournaments up in northern Illinois, we used to change our, our uh, line every tournament. Oh, okay. We go out. We go out and practice and everything, but then the night before the tournament, everybody was was changing line mm-hmm. because you wanted the best. You don't want any. Uh, you want the best possible uh, line on your reel when you get that big fish. So, uh, in uh, beach fishing, and that it's not as as uh, critical as you know. There's not a lot of money unless you're fishing a lot of tournaments. Um, it just it depends on you know when you want to change it out. I usually change it out like I said every three or four times I go out. I'll change out the top shot, but mm-hmm. again, you're only changing out 100, 150 yards right. instead of you know your whole reel, yards. right? Exactly. So you're saving money on mono. That's now, smart. The braid, it, the braid it doesn't uh, deteriorate at all. It's uh, you can leave it on your reel for several years and it's not going to deteriorate. Uh, so that's a good thing. Oh, that it's is basically 
basically the same thing as your as uh, when you're fly fishing. Uh, they have the large arbor reels right. now. You don't have to do that on. You don't have to use as much backing. But on your on your smaller arbor reels uh, of yesteryear, you know you'd put quite a bit of backing on it, so you didn't have to use uh, the more expensive fly line. Yes, you didn't have to uh, change out your entire reel. Right. Right. So no, that makes a lot of sense. And see, for guys like me, Daryl, that like to save money, you know, it's it's a perfect perfect piece of advice for sure. Well, I mean, you're always looking to save money here and there, but there are certain places where you need to spend money. Right. And that is that is with your gear and with your your rigging and your hooks and that. Don't go cheap. Yeah, I've You'll said that. Every I, time. I, and it's so true in hunting and fishing both because I always say when it comes to broadheads and crossbows or compound bows, you know, don't go with the uh, big box special on the clearance aisle. You know, that's the time you need to reach into your pocket a little deeper, you know, because that terminal tackle, whether it be in fishing or hunting, you know, I hate to use the word tackle and hunting, but, you know, it's, it, 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 that, that's the moments that count right there is how your tackle performs when the job gets done. That's right. That's right. Uh, you don't want to, um, you don't want to get out there and, you know, have your 29 cent swivel from Walmart right. fail on a, on a, uh, uh, a, you know, say a 30 pound, you know, bull red. Bull red. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, know, you want to use, you want to use good equipment. And, but the thing is you don't want to spend a lot for that good equipment either. So you, you shop around and you, you use what works and you use what uh, what's effective, and that's one reason why I, I build the way I build, is because my gear is not the most expensive out there. It's not the cheapest, and I don't want to be the cheapest, because uh, you have uh, folks out there that uh, will go the, the cheap route, but they pay for it in the end. Yes. It, it happens to all of us eventually if you go the cheap route, you know. I mean, eventually something's going to fail and they're going to let you down. And, you know, that's the thing I've always liked about you and your, your company, Double D Extreme Tackle, is that, you know, you – you know, you, you do things like pull trucks with your gear just to show that it's strong, show that it can it can um, that it can uh, stretch out a hook. You know, um, getting back to to uh, the you know the setup for your uh, rod and reel and line. I've, I've gone through the line part of it. Now, the only thing I didn't go through was, uh, like I said, the uh, shock leader, which is the fifty pound mono, is uh, is what's called a shock leader on top of your top shot. And um, the shock leader does a couple of things. It, um, when you get a, a big fish on, it uh, provides you with a lot heavier mono between you and the fish. You get uh, a couple of turns of that 50-pound mono on your reel. Right. You can, put, you can put a lot more pressure on that fish to yep. go ahead and get him into the beach. Right. Or the boat or some, whatever, right. Yeah, exactly. And in some situations, you need that extra – you need to put that extra pressure on the fish because it's it's for the good of the health of the fish because if you stress the fish out too much in during a fight especially uh hammerhead sharks are, are one of the worst to to do that to they will actually fight to the death they'll actually if you fight a, a hammerhead until he's got nothing left uh when you pull him into the beach he's going to be dead right um, that, that goes right back to conservation again which i think is vitally important in, the, in our talks about saltwater for sure Exactly. Uh, you don't want to mess around when you're trying to get a, a large fish or a large shark in. You want to get them in as quickly as can as you can. Um, obviously, not putting too much pressure on your gear, but putting enough pressure on it to where uh, 
it's it's more of an expedient process. Right. You want to get him in, get him unhooked, um, tag him. If it's a larger shark, you know, a lot of guys tag the sharks, uh, unhook them, um, have your camera ready, your phone ready. Uh, like I said, uh, once you get them into the beach, it's not the time to go run to the truck and try to go find the camera. That's, that's not the time. You have all that ready, it. right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You want to have all that prepped and, and waiting for uh, for that particular moment. Get him back in the water as soon as you can. And, and you do that in, uh, you know, a minute, minute and a half, two minutes. Um, shark will be just fine. You get him back out in the water. And he's got a really, really good chance, 80%, 90% chance of, uh, of uh, you know, surviving. going on and, right. and surviving. And yeah, fighting another rate, day, as you like to say, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Your survival rate goes up tremendously as uh, the minutes that you have them into the, to the beach or whatever go down. Right. Or the boat or whatever so, the case may be. And one thing we haven't talked a lot about, which I know is a growing trend with, uh, with saltwater, is kayak fishing. Uh, it's something I've wanted to get more into. I just wish I lived a little bit closer to the coast, but I mean, there are a lot of guys that fish bay systems instead of, you know, wading out there and, and surf fishing that, that fish with kayaks. And man, I just wrote an article in the March issue that's coming out. I just saw the proof of it today about, you know, freshwater fishing for carp with, uh, with a kayak, but you know, you tie into a bull red and a kayak, you're in for a ride of your life, man. <laughs> you know? Oh, definitely. That. Definitely. Uh, they, they can be, uh, uh, real, uh, real fun, put it that oh, yeah. way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, or can, a shark or whatever. Them. Yeah, uh, especially, uh, you know, a bull red or, or a shark or something. Bull reds, uh, if they're really green, they'll give you, you know, five, ten minute fight. Uh, sharks, they can go up to hours. Yeah. You know, know. There's, there's, uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that catch a lot of sharks in kayaks. But you got to be very careful with yep. those guys, uh, especially the business end of the sharks. Uh-huh. And we talked about that in the last uh, the, uh, show for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and uh, they have uh, they wear gloves. They have life jackets. Always wear your life jacket when you're out on a kayak, no matter if it's in the surf or, or where. Uh, one one false move, and uh, the uh, say a wave comes up and, and smacks the kayak into your head, knocks you out. You still have a life jacket on to keep you yep. alive. That's true. You know, that's a good point to make. It's kind of like when I talk about bow hunting and tree stands, wear your harness every single time. Cause you do not know the extenuating factors that could lead to your demise. You know, um, nobody can predict that, you know, what's going to happen. That's, that's the one reason why we hunt and fish is because we get out and we don't know what the world's going to bring us, you know, on the day we go out, but it could cost your life if you're not careful for sure. That's definitely, that's definitely correct. Uh, you want to minimize the uh, chances of yourself getting hurt. Right. So, the most, the, the more you can do to prevent that, and and not necessarily uh, uh, inconvenience yourself. You know, you want to be able to move around and that type of thing. But um, the more you can do to minimize loss to yourself or to your equipment, uh, the better. And so you, that's why you do the the safety this that and the other. And, um, especially when you're going out in a kayak, uh, because it's just you against the elements, it's right. you against the, the water. Um, if you, there's plenty of videos out there where guys get circled by sharks or right. whatever, or other fish in a kayak and they don't quite know what to do yep. and, and, uh, know what, uh, what's going on and, yep. and be, you know, having, having a situational awareness is huge, Yeah, especially if you're out there, you know, a mile or two offshore. Because there's nobody out there to help you, you know. Uh, try yeah. to go out 
try to go out with a with a buddy. If not, try to go out with somebody in a boat that's nearby you because right. you want that. You don't want to be out there and be, you know, in a situation where you're on your own and uh, there's no help. Right. You're you know, stranded, you, get in, right. you get into a situation that's life or death. You may not end up living to tell about it. Yeah. So uh, lanyards for all your stuff, uh, your rods, reels, tackle. If you're not using something, put it below, you know, in your in your hatch or whatever on your kayaks. Uh, you know, a lot of guys have the uh, the uh, GoPros and stuff and the mounts and mounts everywhere on their kayaks, and that's awesome. And you want to document your trips, but you don't want it to be your last documentation. Right. Right. So, sure. Um, I get that for sure. But uh, no, I, I have a line of, of gear that uh, that I built specifically for kayaks because it's a lot, as opposed to a boat or or fishing off the beach, it's a lot closer proximity to yourself and the big the, the fish that you're catching, and uh, you have the a lot higher probability of uh, uh, a predator hearing the fish that you're catching in the water and coming up and trying to predate on you know something that you already got on on your line right and that happens a lot of times oh for sure it does and the one thing i was going to mention and, and there's so many different kayaks and a lot of guys have their brand preferences but one i wanted to bring to um to the table here is diablo paddle sports uh that's how i actually got to got into the what i'm doing now for the magazine was a uh costa's geobass team uh got together and did a interview with me in 2015 and that's how i got to meet Artie, my boss with a magazine uh, in the advertising world and you know the cool thing about what they have because i'm really looking into getting a kayak soon is uh they've got kind of a combination of a sup board uh, and a kayak together. It's they're thinner, they're flatter. You can stand on them really easily, and uh, they're wider than your traditional kayak. And there's so many advances that have been made in in the kayak field. But I wanted to definitely say if you're in the market for one, Diablo is not a bad one to check out. And they're ones that I know you you've talked about too in the past. Yeah, I have. I've uh, I've looked into them, and and I, I like the idea of of having a more stable platform. Right. Because uh, like you you and I both are, are big guys. Are big guys. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. You know, and and uh, these little these little uh, eight, nine, ten foot kayaks, they just don't they just don't uh, fit the bill. Right. Because uh, we're just, you know, we we're we don't, we, don't be, we have to have a kayak, not a submarine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you're too much fun. Anyway, oh uh, so uh, yeah, when you're choosing your kayak, uh, make sure you put it in, your, in the water first. Right. Have an in water in water demo to where you see if if. Uh, if you like the the stability of it, um, check the uh, the drainage on it. Check the uh, the the uh, water tightness of it and uh, the the versatility because uh, you know everybody wants to uh, pimp out their their kayaks yep. as far as uh, all the accessories, right? All the accessories, exactly. And so you want to keep all that water tight. You want to keep it all uh, accessible, but you also want to keep you know a degree of safety in there. Where you know your your uh, uh, your gear doesn't go overboard because inevitably you'll tump one of these days. Right. You know it's, it, it happens to everybody, and like I said, you don't want uh, your your rods and reels and 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 you know, you're not more much worried about the bait, but uh, your electronics, all that stuff, your, your yeah. electronics and all right. that. Make sure it's all waterproof and and uh, uh, as far as your electrical connections, uh, solder them and then uh, use the uh, plasti dip. Okay. On your on your all your connections. Yep. So it's a product called Plasti Dip, and you can just uh, you put it over the connections and it waterproofs them. So sure. 
anyway, uh, one thing I wanted to get back to was uh, on the uh, on the surf fishing as far as your – we went through rods. Um, like I said, uh, surf fishing rods, you want an, uh, somewhere between an 8 to 12 foot. Uh, some guys use 15 foot for the, for the spinning rods. Sure. Um, the more uh, – I'll put it this way. The longer rod that you have, the less – uh, leverage you're going to have on the rod. The shorter the rod, the more the leverage. But the longer the rod, the longer the cast you're going to sure. get. Castability, but right. Seen, exactly. But the the other thing is, if you're casting eight and bait, uh, a 15-foot rod is going to be a lot to wrangle that eight and bait. You're, you're talking about almost two pounds or a pound, pound and a half of, of uh, weight, Right. you know, out 150 or 100, not say 150, uh, 80 to 100 yards out. Right, right. you have to really lump it so out there, yeah. Right, right around, I've I found the sweet spot to be right around 12 feet. Okay, that's good to so know. So your 12-foot 12 12 casting rods, but make sure your casting rods are rated for uh, what you're throwing. A lot of them, like the tsunamis, are, are rated for more like casting lures mm -hmm. as, as opposed to uh, casting eight and bait. Uh, and eight and bait, what I mean is uh, the most you're going to be casting out is about eight ounces, like a spider weight or whatever, uh, and then bait. That's what mm -hmm. I mean when I say eight and bait. That's pretty cool. So, I like that saying. That's that's his name. But um, when you go to tie your rig on, uh, I use a what's called a modified Berkley knot. And uh, that's that's worked for me very, very well. And it's uh, basically you run the... the tag into the line through your through your top swivel you run it through once you run it through twice it creates a loop you uh, run the tag in around your main line uh six or eight times come back through both loops and then cinch it down mm -hmm. and that creates a, a a real strong knot at the at the rig so uh, especially using 50 pound test now 50 pound you probably don't want to go around six or eight times probably four to five times okay the heavier heavier the line the less wraps you want to make on the main line with the tag end so it's also good to know that is very good to know so anyway so yeah now now you're you're pretty much set up you got your your salt is 50 you got your 12 uh a lot of guys like ars the american rodsmiths um i tend to like the uh the Daiwa. Uh, beef sticks. They load up real nice. Right. We talked about that. Not, not a real expensive rod, but they they have a lot of backbone to them, which is good. Uh, a lot of guys use uh, Harringtons and, and all of that, and uh, but um, they'll they'll rewrap older rods or, or blanks, or, and that's that's awesome. But uh, they end up being they'll usually cut down a twelve foot to about uh, ten ten and a half feet. Which is is fine. So, you know, it depends on you know your your build and depends on what uh, what you like as far as casting. Sure. But uh, like I said, for for me, my sweet spot is uh, is a twelve foot um, beef stick with a, a saltist fifty, and uh, there's just there's nothing better that I've found on the surf uh, than than something like that that kind of setup. Uh, now, one thing you want to do is when you get done. Um, surf fishing, like I said, bring your reels in, um, take and, and wash off your reels and rods and that, but, uh, take and back your drags off. Don't okay. Store, That's don't good. store your reels. Don't store your reels with the drags all the way up. 
because you'll end up uh, compressing the drag and next time you go out it uh, it won't perform it'll be it'll be it'll stay compressed and so you don't want to store your reels with the drags all the way down back them off just to where it holds the line where the line doesn't come off the reel and uh, you'll be fine with that that's good to know too so um it's uh it's getting about that uh that time yeah it is no we're good and and this is this has been a great show i mean like like everyone that we've done so far um and it's kind of the back to basic show if you will because we we talked a little bit about gear care and avoiding gear failure and things to do to avoid your gear being you know being a failure when when the, when the moments count the most you know when you're in that fight of a lifetime with a fish of a lifetime um, and there's so many different realms we can go into with saltwater fishing. But the thing I love about this podcast is we really try, I try to bring guests on the show that try to educate and inspire, you know, anglers to go enjoy the best of the outdoors. So that's always been my, my goal. Right. Right. And it's my goal too, uh, is to have as much, uh, have as much fun for the angler, but as, as much conservation as you can for what you're what you're fishing for. Right, and that's the one you thing know. I wanted to end with is the conservation thing. Jester Moore, who I had on the show last couple of the podcasts and the uh, the shot show coverage. You know, him and I talk about conservation a lot when we do podcasts, and I know you and I do too, Daryl. But you know, it, it's about leaving a legacy to the next generation, which you and I have talked about on our first show together. Um, and really, you know, bringing it home to why we do this, why we go out and, and fish, where you just buy fish in a fishing market, you know, or a, or a fish market or, or deer, you know, you, you can buy a venison jerky now at HEB, you know <laughs> I mean? But it's that, it's that lifestyle, that, that, that saltwater lifestyle, that hunting lifestyle, that freshwater lifestyle, whatever you're into that I really try to bring home on the show. And that's, that's exactly it. Do you want to bring that, uh, to the, the folks that are, are, uh, you know, out in the field and, and out on the beach and that you want to get get those folks out and get them back in safe and right. that's why you know, like you know we try to to stress safety first and that and uh to uh to make it a, a good experience for for everyone involved sure absolutely no that's great uh tell folks where they can find you if they haven't listened to the other shows and i invite you guys um, to go back and look at listen to the other shows that we've done together too yeah that's that's uh well uh, I was going to say, if, if folks have any questions about uh, the information that's been presented today, uh, you can contact me at uh, uh, 281-804-9829. That's my, uh, my cell phone. Um, I'm always willing to talk to you and, and answer questions. If you have any, uh, you know, uh, you can find me on Facebook at Double D Extreme Tackle. Um, you can also uh, email me at Double D Extreme Tackle at Yahoo.com. That's all one word, right? No spaces for the... That's right. No okay, spaces. Cool. I just want to make sure yeah. we got that. And your website is one that most people that listen to the show know that I build websites on the side. You're one of my projects uh, that I got started with uh, the website yeah, stuff. So I wanted to talk about that real quick. Yeah. It, unfortunately, the website was brought down by a, uh, a company that, that doesn't do... Uh, they're not hosting public-facing websites anymore. And so um, Dustin and I are having to rebuild... Uh, my website uh from scratch and uh he's been a you've been a tremendous help dustin Thank as you. far as uh uh getting that back and getting it going again and uh, i certainly uh truly appreciate that if you have any uh uh any folks out there have any website issues uh, contact dustin he's a <laughs> he's a uh, absolute guru at this <laughs> thanks and uh, he's, he's been a lifesaver uh so 
right. my goal is to have the website back up by say February 15th of this year. And so it should be, uh, if all goes well, it should be up and functional by then. And, uh, uh, if you have any comments or questions, uh, I will have a, uh, an email. I'll have the email posted on the website. So just uh, email me, uh, or call me or, or whatever. Yeah. And Facebook, you're, you're, you're on Facebook. I see quite a bit. And I mean, that's, you're very accessible. And the thing I've always liked about you is, uh, is that you're an open book when it comes to questions about, you know, the outdoors and angling and saltwater fishing and, and those kind of things that, uh, that people have questions with. You've been a great help to me just learning some of the stuff that, that I've learned in these shows we've done together, really. So well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, uh, uh, until next time, uh, I appreciate uh, the uh, podcast, Dustin, and, and uh, thank you for uh, having me on. And, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, I was able to help uh, some folks out with some some tips and tricks for uh, for saltwater fishing. Oh, that's great! You've been a great guest. Thanks so much again. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Daryl Palmer, Double D Extreme Tackle. You can check him out on Facebook. You can check him out by uh, email. You can email him. I've got all of his information in the show notes. Also have in the show notes all the things that we talked about, the Daiwa beef stick, the um, reels that he talked about, the uh, lines uh, that he talked about as far as mono goes and braid and so on and so forth. So you can check all that out in the show notes and see um, how you can plug in with some of these companies that he uses to uh, work with you on your uh, saltwater fishing stuff. And uh, really excited to have the opportunity to share this show with you as I am every two weeks and uh, really look forward to having the chance to bring this to you. And I uh, want to also invite you to subscribe to our newsletters. There are three of them a week. There's Tactical and Practical Tuesday, Wildlife Wednesday, and the Thursday Texas State of the Outdoor Nation newsletter, which is kind of a combination of Tuesday and Wednesday and uh, new content on Thursday. You can subscribe to both of those at fishgame.com. That's fishgame.com. The Voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation, you just go to the uh, right-hand side of the page, the right-hand column, scroll down, and you'll see the newsletter sign-up link right there, and then you'll also see our podcast, whatever the newest one is, down there as well. And then you can just go to fishgame.com forward slash podcast for all the podcasts that we have put out there, as well as you can catch this on YouTube, and if you're listening on YouTube, thanks so much for doing so. We're kind of new on there, um, and I've got my own channel that I put this on, so... Check out some of my other hunting and fishing videos on there as well while you're there on YouTube. So anyway, thank you so much for watching, reading, and listening. Thank you so much for telling a friend about the show and subscribing. And have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time.